0: and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California, and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to The Water Zone Show this evening. Oh, a pleasant good afternoon, good evening. Hope everybody's doing well, and welcome to The Water Zone Show. I'm your host, Rob Starr, along with our special guest uh, host, Miss Christina Delena, and uh, it's a pleasure to work with her. Um, if, if anybody wants to know anything about sports, call her, because she knows everything <laughs> about sports. She's really good.
1: I think I, uh, I hijacked a few meetings today over that, since the Dodgers and the um, Padres played um, a big four-game series. So. uh uh-huh.
0: They were in Denver the other, uh, in Colorado the other day, right? Yep. The Dodgers, yeah. And then they had a big thing about the um, the hockey uh, trophy getting handed off, and, and they had a parade and stuff for there. So I, not near me, but I, I heard about that. So my son lives in Colorado. So anyway, I hope everybody's having a good, wonderful day today, and I'm sure it's a beautiful day in where all you are uh, are at. And uh, it's nice here. It's about 110 degrees, a little breeze starting up, and uh, hopefully we'll have a nice uh, 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody's going to have a safe one, both from uh, exploding fire fireworks <laughs> that you don't get hurt on, and also stay safe from COVID. So I want to introduce our wonderful person who's the uh, purveyor of Maven's Notebook, Miss Chris Austin. Chris, how are you doing?
2: Hey, I'm doing okay. Can't complain. Nice uh- day up here in the North State.
0: Oh. That's good. You enjoying the inside or the outside mostly these days?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm chained to my desk. <laughs> I have I have way more work than I than I can ever hope to get done. So I'm right. constantly behind. I am amazed every morning when I open
0: up your newsletter, uh, Maven's Notebook. How much content there is, and and I don't it's know, but amazing. Well, you're probably a good typist. I'm not. I'm a two-finger. I can probably do about 30 words a minute with my two fingers. But I can't even imagine trying to keep up with all that stuff that you do. every. I've been researching it, getting it, talking to people, typing it all up, coordinating. I, 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 that's amazing. And it, and it's just you who does it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I'm trying to figure out how to get get an assistant of some kind. But, yeah. And, and this drought is just crazy. Um, there's just so so much news these days that I think there's more is being written about in more outlets than I don't think it was like this back in 2014, but the coverage is different. You know, they're not really complaining about uh, how much water to grow an almond, or you know, uh, not complaining about. Alfalfa in the desert, or you know, the the types of things that we really heard uh, the last drought. I mean, they they really hammered, and back in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, they really hammered on ag to the point that even people who were normally critics of ag were 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 a little surprised, surprised, and kind of standing up a bit for agriculture back then because they they really were slaughtered. So. They've been doing much better, I think, um, in this drought, and, and I think because most of the farmers are getting no water, uh, people aren't feeling like the farmers have water that they should be able to use to water their grass or whatever. You know, well, well, you take up, it you from said, agriculture is a is a popular refrain for some people. You know,
0: well, you, you brought up two important things, and I know one things you were writing about was the. California dairies are using a that's, lot of water. People start complaining of that.
1: That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry. You know that, <laughs> No, I, Great minds, Rob. Great minds, because that I thought that was interesting and in how they wanted cities to pay farmers to install more efficient irrigation systems. I fear you could give us a Scooby on what's going on with that.
2: Oh yeah, well you know the the idea of uh, paying farmers, cities paying farmers to. Um, uh, to install uh water saving things uh, that that 's been around for a while. Uh, they did that in the Imperial Valley the metropolitan uh was one of the first. They went down there and they lined the canals uh in the Imperial irrigation district and uh, uh and then they figured out how much water that would save and then they transferred that water to the, um, they transferred that water to the, at first the metropolitan and now, and then later another deal went through and that was for San Diego. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a way that people are trying to, (laughs) to squeeze more water and, uh, in, in some instances, I think it, it is a, it's an effective way. There are some questions sometimes in like a place like the Imperial Valley and lining a canal. You know, just because an irrigation canal isn't lined doesn't mean it's leaking water or it's wasting water. And in some areas where there's a lot of clay content in the, the soil, uh, it doesn't leak water, and actually, the uh, irrigation district. I had a tour down there of the Imperial Irrigation District, and he says, "You so if you put a cement lining on a canal that's in uh that's that has clay in the soil, then you lose a lot of flexibility because you just can't take concrete walls and and dive the water down fast if it's." if it's clay you can shut the water off and it's fine if it's concrete you have to be careful to lower the water carefully otherwise the sides collapse you know so there it's, it you know there's, there's nothing as simple as it as it seems well you know
0: you brought up another point about about people the citizens paying the farmers there was a, a lady that we know and I, I know you know Ingi Biscoder and she made a presentation a couple of years ago at the Irrigation Institute. And it, it showed a comparison when the water agencies were giving rebates for smart irrigation controllers and stuff like that. And how much water they really saved versus if they took the same amount of money they spent on the rebates and gave that to farmers to get efficient irrigation system. They would have had at least 30 fold, 30 times the savings of water if they used it and applied it to the ag side versus the resident side. And, and I thought, you know, and this, this, this is probably about seven years ago when she presented that paper. And I'm thinking they really haven't changed much and do more for them in, in, the irriga- in, in, in the ag world for irrigation.
2: Well, I think in a lot of cases, there, there's been a lot of programs uh, to get uh, uh, farmers to move to drip irrigation where, where drip irrigation makes sense, uh, you know, drip irrigation is not for all crops. And, you know, sometimes some crops are, are actually better irrigated using flood irrigation for certain types of crops. Mm-hmm. And sometimes flood irrigation is a precursor to other types of irrigation. Maybe they're just setting the seed. And then maybe they're going to move up from flood irrigation once it germinates into sprinklers that doesn't need as much water. So, you know, flood irrigation by itself, it doesn't always imply waste. Um, And not all crops can be grown by drip irrigation. But that being said, uh, the state has had a number of uh, programs for farmers to move to, uh, you know, more efficient, more water efficient practices. And a lot of them just do it on their own because it's a business decision. Especially as water gets more expensive, you know, they they pay attention. They're you know farmers uh, are business people too, and water is an input to their operation. So, well,
0: you know, we we as Toro, our ag group, started a couple of years back. Uh, to recycle uh, the drip tape that our customers buy, and after a couple of planting seasons, they they call Toro and Toro comes and picks it up, and then they recycle it. So they get paid back some money, and and, and gets gets the product gets to be you know re- recycled. So that's that's a good thing. I uh, Christina I'll let you say ask some questions. I'm not trying to step all over you for the for the things and uh... oh. <laughs> she's, on, <laughs> she's on she's on mute for the moment. That's okay. Uh so that's the probably
2: thing. a lawnmower in the background, I think.
0: Uh, could 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 be. That's the problem when we're we're all not in the studio together. We're all remote from three locations, so it makes it a little difficult. Um so I, I guess they're so you know, so the farmers are thinking that they're gonna get paid. I don't know how that's gonna work out. Um I don't know if the citizens are going to be willing to do that they'll say they pay taxes why should they pay extra money but we'll let that fall where it is Um so now I understand they're going to do a new audit about the state's water supply forecast because it's uh not
3: accurate? <laughs> they
2: had a few well, steps. <laughs> yeah, see, you know, yeah, the thing was last year, you know, they have models that run all these things, and, you know, they're, they're always, the states are always looking at the hydrology and trying to, you know, see what's up there in the mountains and how the, you know, how they're going to shake everything out, um, and last year... They had some projections of water running into the reservoirs from the runoff. I mean we did have some snow up in the mountains. It wasn't a terrible snowpack and they when they expected it to run off and melt and they expected a certain amount to flow into the reservoirs and it didn't show up and that That caused a lot of problems because they had you know told urban water agencies they were going to get some water. And then they had to turn around and say, "Well, no, we can't give you any water. Health and safety only." So, you know, it was. Um, so it it was it made it kind of tough. Uh, last year was tough because uh, the hydrology was really off the charts. They had never, even in their, you know, in a model, you have what they call bookends. You have, you know, how the the maximum hydrologic conditions for you know that you can expect and and what's the driest you can expect and they say call them bookends and the problem that we've been having in these past couple of years is that uh, our hydrology is beyond the driest condition that their model uh, contemplated we, we and we never seen such you know, such dry conditions and the models never contemplated them. So the model's kind of wrong. And the other thing that really complicated things and what's really complicating things, I think all over is the increase in temperatures is really impacting so many things. And I think that it is impacting things in a way that we just, in, in, in so many ways we never contemplated, like, uh, Part of the reason that water didn't show up is that it was hotter temperatures last year on average, and that meant that the watershed was soaking up more water. The plants were thirstier. When it's hotter, the plants evapotranspirate more water. So as the water was coming down, the vegetation in the landscape was just slurping it up, and by the time it got to the reservoirs, there wasn't much there this temperature is really the thing. I think it's the most, uh, probably the most serious impact other than, you know, lack of water um, that we're having in this drought, because temperatures, you know, have a lot to do with species, too. And, you know, salmon are cold water species, and they should have cold water in in the streams, you know, that's when they're trying to spawn. But uh, if there's not much water to go around and the temperature's hot, it's uh, it's well, it's been devastating in the last hot years. We'll see what happens this year. Uh, the parties up in the North Sacramento Valley got together and came up with a salmon operations plan for the spring. So we'll see, you know, how the fish make it through the summer up there and. So far, I haven't heard devastating news, so maybe it's a good thing. Uh, Chris Davies on
0: his way back from Europe, so I know he likes to go fishing, so we'll, he uh, he always wants to have uh, nice salmon going, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Christine, I know you have, uh, according to... Where does what he
1: I, usually go when he goes fishing?
0: Chris goes to several different
2: lakes. I think the there's some really nice fishing up in the Eastern Sierra I'll tell people you know Conway uh Lake up there up, up outside of Bishop and some of the other lakes uh, Sabrina Lake and uh other ones nice lakes beautiful place uh if you want to go have some wonderful fishing and some incredible scenery, go to the Eastern Sierra there. That is my plug. But it is a darn beautiful area of our state. Very, uh, you know, and not highly populated, so you want to get away from it all, go to the Eastern Sierra. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, Chris Chris is an avid kayaker, and he even goes in the ocean and uh, oh,
2: wow. fishes,
0: fishes off the kayak, which I think is a little rough, but <laughs> I, I don't do that, so. I can't, uh, can't fit in for that. So, um, you know, because we we need places to store water, and I guess the feds are decided to raise the San Luis uh, Reservoir Dam 10 feet, and yet a bunch of people are screaming they want it 20 feet.
2: Well, exactly. yeah, you know, they, they want to see if they can push it up farther. Uh, you know, in terms of reservoirs, uh, Uh, You know, this one, well, well, there's kind of two basic kinds of of dams. There are dams that go across rivers and streams, and there are dams that are not across any river stream. They're just kind of off, you know, in the mountains. And, uh... The The San Louis Reservoir is an off-stream reservoir. If you put a dam across a river or stream, that's very impactful to the species and all. But if you have an off-stream reservoir, you just pump up water to it, the environmental impacts are really not nearly as bad. Um, people who don't like dams across rivers, you know, so I, I would hope most of them would be supportive of off-stream storage, although not all. Uh, not all they are. But, um, you know, so there's it's a good way to add more water. Uh, while we, they're raising the dam in the first place, why not kick it up? Uh, so we'll so, see what happens.
0: Has there been an, uh, an uproar from the beavers
1: about damning <laughs> rivers? And oh, stars? God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, no, but, you know, a lot of people are trying to bring beavers back as a natural part of the landscape. You know, yeah. they're actually good for the environment. And their little dams that they build are actually good. They help with groundwater recharge and kind of help keep the water in the watershed a little bit longer before it, you know, flows away. So, And they're cost effective. Yeah, they are.
0: They're non-union.
2: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> did, did you know that back in like the I think it was in the 1950s they actually had a program where they parachuted beavers into remote areas cuz they were trying to expand beavers oh. They actually you know there if I I do believe if you go on Google and and uh, search it you'll you'll come up with it they actually have a little movie about how they Oh my would, god you know,
1: I have this parachute. Of little beavers with parachutes now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: did it work? I mean, did it increase the beaver supply? I, I, well, I don't know. They, they haven't continued it, so I don't know what that means. But <laughs> the beavers,
1: just, you know, I wonder in what and, you
2: do if you're a beaver and all of a sudden you're like, you know, parachuting. I mean, that's like, like they, they had a contest to try and figure out how to get. Salmon up above dams, you know, and so they sparked this innovation uh, contest. And so some guy came up with a thing that actually literally shoots them <laughs> over the top of the dam. Now, if you're a fish and you're swimming in the river and then all of a sudden you're flying through the air, I mean, what does the fish think? <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. But, but apparently, apparently, the bird and, and, their apparently their, and then does. when they land,
0: they, be, they flounder around?
2: <laughs> <laughs> R, 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 yeah. Keep uh, my days <laughs> <up>. <laughs>
0: Hey, one of the last things, <clears throat> I know that California well water bill kind of survived the state senate committee. And what what are they arguing about and why, why is it taking them so long to do it? Are they getting a lot of resistance? or?
2: Oh Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, the farmers generally don't like to uh talk about their wells, they actually have fought for many years to keep well data uh secret or uh, you know or not not public uh and in recent years they especially with the stigma they've had to sort of relax on that but uh yeah they're tr- they're trying to e- restrict the, um, you know, people from drilling wells. So, the they're making this requirement that if you want to drill a well on your property, that you would have to have that well approved by the local groundwater agency and have a period of public comment. So, as you might be imagine, there are some people that are against that idea because it's going to make it harder for people to drill wells. Now, you know, And, and the GSAs, the groundwater agencies, don't really have the authority to tell people they can't drill a well. So they're trying to put some teeth into this because, uh, you know, we're trying to manage our groundwater and people just keep drilling lower and lower and adding more and more wells. I think last year, especially when we go into a drought, we get a lot of people drilling new wells or deeper wells, and they're trying to... Uh, give some authority to the groundwater agencies to be able to do something about that we 'll see how far it gets so far it's been it's been moving uh but we'll see if it makes it to the governor's desk and still has teeth in it that 's another thing that happens sometimes these things get approved, but they start stripping out all the provisions. So when you get to the end, there's nothing you know, doesn't really do much.
0: Well, oh, I, 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 good or bad, I can understand why the farmers or people are not telling them what they got in their wells because they're only, you know, they're they're told what they can pump out of it, and, and they they want it for themselves to do what they need to do with it. Um, I, I, I don't know, with all this, I'll use the term government control. Uh, how good that is to have. I mean. You know, when we come to crises of shortages of things, I I understand where the government should get involved sometimes to manage that. But but all these things with water rights, you know, just the things that you've talked about in the past with all the water rights that are going on, and you know, who, who some of these rights have gone back a hundred and something years, and you know, and I I don't know, I don't know if they should be relooked at, or I know the people in in Arizona are looking with some. Of, we had a gentleman on who's running for. A Senate here, and uh, he was talking about it, and, and he believes that they need to re, 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 rework all of the uh, water rights uh, that everybody has. And I don't know; I don't have the answer to that. It just seems like it's well, be a proposition around for everybody.
2: I think I think that we may not want to do that, but I think climate change is going to force some some really tough tough things. For one thing. You know what we what we're having is with this smaller we're having smaller snowpacks that melt earlier, and in California, uh, every water right has a period of a season that they can take the water from the river, a specific start and end date. And if as that snow melt gets earlier and earlier some people are going to find themselves out of range with their water permit like by the time it's there they can turn on their pumps the, all the water's already come down the river so you know we can uh, ignore it put our head in the sand and or we can do something about it i don't think we're really getting anywhere uh, we're nibbling at the edges i think the state water board uh did a report and and kind of suggested some things like, uh, putting, requiring a climate change analysis with your water availability when you're applying for a new permit. So in other words, uh, you have to have someone go look and see if there's water for you to draw at that time, your, your dates that you that you want to draw the water from. So, you know, um, And they they suggested that people might should be required to do a climate change analysis and uh, and oh the the people a lot of people did not like it they're very upset but the state board was saying maybe you should look and see if there's really going to be water there for you to take you know if you're going to build this project I mean it's actually a very sensible thing to do if you're going to put out money but uh, it's hard because you know, people have a hard time with, I think, a lot of this climate stuff, kind of like sea level rise. We know the sea level is rising, yet people still are building on the coast in some areas. They're not,
3: They're
2: you know, when we might want to be reconsidering shoreline development, people are still developing the shoreline in some places. And, you know, I think that's the head in the sand. There's going to be, a, you know, there's a, the number of things coming down the, the pipe and we're, we need to be thinking about how we're addressing them.
0: Yeah. Well, last weekend, last week when we had the, uh, our family from uh, uh, NBC uh, on the TV side, when they were telling us that uh, any new development like the one they're planning to do here of 100,000 new homes, uh, they have to have 100 years of water. And that, uh, that uh, any new project here is going to have to pass that, that thing. And I don't know how they're going to. And, and everybody's complaining that it's the, the measurements that they've already taken. They're not accurate. Some say they are. So that's going to go back and forth. So it, it's it's going to be, you're right, it's it's going to happen. And uh, we just got to prepare for it. So, Chris, thank you again for, for coming on. Uh, you know, it's time that we go to our commercial break. But just for our audience, please go to www.maidensnotebook.com. Become a subscriber. Become a, uh, uh, a sponsor. Um, it's it's a great place to get the most accurate news in in, in, in uh, water. And I know uh, Christina Christina reads it. I read it. Chris Davy reads it. Uh, that's our morning. Uh, that's the first thing we get up in the morning and read. So we know what's going on in the world.
1: So, it's, I've learned something, and I'm not just something. I've learned many new things every time. I mean, every week there's been a plethora. And you'll be proud to know that I do, I do tell people some of the things I've learned from you uh, on this, and so it's it's going forward. I'm spreading the word.
2: All right, excellent. That's good. Always important to understand these water issues.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, Chris, we'll we'll talk to you next week. You have a super super duper July Fourth. Stay safe from COVID. Stay safe from fireworks, and we'll talk to you next week.
2: Hey, okay, Back at you. Good evening, everybody.
0: Good evening. we'll we'll be back in just a few minutes we're going to take a commercial break and we'll be back with our featured guests so stick around for the second half of the Water Zone with Rob and Christina
4: you're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM the station that leaves no listener behind
1: They love you, they love you not, they love you. Satisfying your customers, it's a full-time job. Want an easy way to make them happy? Try having your ornamentals delivered straight to the job site with Nursery Direct. Could save you and your clients a pretty peony. Think about it, instead of driving to the nearest nursery, picking up the order, and then driving to the job site, the crew's able to begin work right away. That cuts time and labor. Savings you can pass on to your customers and you can get your plants delivered direct even if you don't have a nursery branch in your area. Here's another quick tip, keep a substitutions list on standby for every project so your team knows what to do in case a plant isn't in stock because there's nothing customers appreciate more than a project that finishes on time and on budget. They love you, they really love you. Aww.
4: If you knew there was a pipe cement that works better than the one you're currently using, is better for you and the environment, and costs the same or less, would you buy it? Well, no-brainer, right? Weldon, the trusted leader in solvent cements for over 60 years, is pleased to introduce a new line of solvent cements that does all that. Introducing the Eco-Series line of solvent cements for PVC piping systems. Not only does it work great and set fast, it also has 30% lower solvent emissions and less smelly fumes, a better workplace environment when you're installing pipes. But don't just take our word for it. EcoSeries products are the only solvent cements that are Green Seal certified for environmental innovation for effective performance, improved working conditions, and for use with potable water. Now available in a medium-bodied fast-setting blue formula, 905ECO, and a regular-bodied fast-setting clear formula, 900ECO. Pick up a can today from your local distributor and see, smell, and feel the difference, just like Joe Sweat, president of Sunrise Irrigation, did. He said, after using Weldon's 905 Eco, we immediately noticed the application was smooth and there was noticeably less odor than other blue solvent cements on the market. The guys love it. To learn more about Eco solvent cements from Weldon, Visit the website at www.weldon.com or call the technical service hotline at 877-477-8327. That's 877-477-8327. K.C.A.A.
0: afternoon, and thanks for returning to the second half of the Water Zone show. I'm Christina message here, and uh, getting her prepared for this segment. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting one, to so talk about some technology, which is very interesting to me. So, Christina, I'll let you uh, take the helm here.
1: All right. So, we have Albert Nerozi. He is the founder, head engineer, and chief designer of AZZ A2Z, sorry, Ozone, Inc., a company that designs and distributes ozone generators. For 20 years, A2Z Ozone has been the e commerce supplier of ozone generators of all types. Albert graduated from Louisville Speed School with a chemical engineering degree, and he uses his knowledge to create and fix ozone generators along with the accessories and the parts that help them operate. All right, so welcome, Let's welcome
3: Albert. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Christine. Appreciate, and uh, I'm really excited to be at your show and explain some of the information about the using ozone and ozone generators.
0: I appreciate appreciate that. Uh, You have something in common with with my wife. It's nothing bad. My wife's a chemical engineer. She has her uh masters in, in that and she was running her father's printed circuit board company when i met her so uh she's uh she can probably talk more intelligently to you than i can but uh mine's electronics and physics so uh anyway uh thanks for thanks for coming on the show um you know i remember 25 30 years ago when i first started hearing about ozone generators and, and what i thought they were what i was told they were and what i saw they were were these air purifier systems and. Um, I, I know at the time a lot of people liked them and they were advertising them like crazy and selling them like crazy. But also a lot of people would, would complain that it had a, had a bad odor and they would get a headache in front. But I'm sure the technology has, has way transcended to what it was back then and and uh, and what all the things are today. But just, just to get the listeners a little bit more informed, how, why don't you tell us what ozone is? Well, ozone is the gas
3: that have a three oxygen atom rather than oxygen have a two. And it was produced by using oxygen, using UV light in the nature, or using in industry, and also using electric charge to break down the oxygen molecule and convert the O2 oxygen to O3. You have a special odor you have a special smell that you will recognize them even in very low concentration like a five part per billion before they use them for as odor and remove the fire the smoke head odor and uh, this type of application inside the air but right now mostly they've been used for Treating the water. Uh-huh. And the most application that it's right now involved in water application.
1: So what are some of the uses of the generators? Actually can I back up? What what is the actual generator do? What is the ozone generator itself?
3: Well the ozone generator is just an electric device. It's nothing inside, no chemical, nothing. It's just a piece of board and one ozone tube, one ozone cell. Pretty much you we use oxygen from the air, or we use an oxygen from the tank or oxygen generator to separate oxygen from hydrogen and nitrogen and feed into this ozone generator. An ozone generator converts two twenty or one ten electric to high voltage, from 2,000 to 8,000, and from 60 hertz or 50 hertz to 1,000 hertz to 8,000 hertz. Pretty much, when you put these two wire close together, it create a spark. When you get close, these two wires. that spark is almost like a lightning, and that pretty much when any oxygen go cross by it, two molecule of molecule of oxygen becomes two molecules of ozone that's ready to be used. That's what the ozone generator does, pretty much converting the oxygen O2 to O3. Uh,
0: now, now ozone by itself is sort of an unstable gas, and I, I believe when you mix it with water, because you can, you, from what I understand, you can drink ozonated, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, water that's been tr- uh, treated with ozone. Um, but the mixing process is a little tricky, isn't it?
3: Well, anytime it's, ozone is safe when you apply them with the water. Right now, if you go to Costco and you go to Kroger, before the bottle of water, it says filtered water and chlorine, calcium hypochlorite. Uh-huh. It's really not a safe way to sanitize the water because you're introducing chlorine to your body. Right now, if you go to Kroger, they say purify water and ozone. Or you go to Costco, bottle of water you buy, they say the same thing. The beauty of them is, ozone is very unstable, as you mentioned. Ozone half-life is 20 to 30 minutes. That what, is, that what does this mean? Means if you add, according to FDA, 0.4 parts per million ozone to the water for sanitation after filtration, after half an hour, it's become point 0.2. After another half an hour, it's become point 0.1. After mm-hmm. another one, it's become 0.5. Pretty much in four hours, nothing left. So you got a pure water, no chemical additives, nothing, and just you drinking pure water with no chlorine or anything else. That's mm-hmm. why the beauty of ozone is any application you use, it would not stay in environment pretty much you go back to the oxygen or would oxidize whatever is in contact. Or if bacteria or stuff, kill the bacteria or macro
0: organs. Uh, so, so but yes, there's so many uses that you, I guess your product can do. I mean, um, I'm sure it does. Like You can use it for bottled water. You know, you just talked about wastewater. Uh, I guess pools, aquariums. Uh, but they even use them, uh, from what I understand, in food processing facilities where they can treat vegetables and, and fruits and things like that, is, is that that correct?
3: There's another application. They have a meat processing, like they have it in 2000. They have a lot of E. coli O17H7 or uh, Salmonella Stanley or listeria. Now they wash in the meat. They wash in the egg. They wash in the pork meat or chicken or fish with ozonated water to pretty much sanitize them natural organic way without leaving any residue of chemical on the meat or vegetable. We have a lot of problems. As you remember, Rob, with the E. coli zero one 2, five seven. Yeah, with 7. the lettuce. Yeah, the lettuce. It's really that you can eliminate them this issue by using ozone washing during the processing with ozonated water or fruit, vegetable, other stuff, you get two benefits. You first you sanitize the vegetable and then when you open the bag you don't have to worry about them. Second is also increase the shelf life of the fruit and vegetable. Well wow. people they're catching the fish in Alaska. They shipping overnight to different facilities in US. They Supposed to be fresh fish, but they do, they add the ozone to the ice, make, to the water, they make ice, they package the fish with the ice, ozone this, so eliminate any type of odor or extra during the, and, you know, this shipment. They say you have so many different, or they have a dairy processing equipment. They sanitize all the equipment, all the facility, all the floor, machinery, everything, with Deionated water, without leaving any residue that affects the taste or, you know, the chemical composition of any product. Is
0: that another one? Yes. Well, I was going to ask you with with the COVID outbreak in the last two years. Is is that been is that uh, have been used for anything for sanitizing facilities and places? Has it proved to kill or sub, or sub, uh, you know the lower lower the, uh, the chances of COVID? Virus
3: They are using it. And actually, university, one of the Tel Aviv universities or some other universities, they don't even research to see the effect of ozone for fumigation inside the environment being contaminated. They found out they would eliminate the COVID. But there has to be more research done to really get that approval. But that's just permanently dissolved that show the effect in the air also destroy the COVID, but they have to have more research before they get FDA approval and EPA. Right. But yeah, they done a lot, and also they done in processing equipment, and all our stuff during this COVID. Yes. Wow.
1: Interesting. How do, how does it work? I noticed it's on the deprivation tanks and tanks, and like the uh, cold plunge bath. How does how does the how does that work? What what's the benefit?
0: Yeah, and what and what but, what comprises the makeup of the physical makeup of a of an ozone generator? Just for our listeners, so they understand what it is.
3: Well, ozone is uh, when you go to deprivation tank or cold plunge tank or a spa or hot tub or swimming pool. You really want to enjoy the water, natural water. When you add in yeah. bromine, chlorine, all kind of algaecide, and all the stuff especially cholerine, they burn the eye, they burn the skin, you get tired. Now, I don't know if you have a pool or not. Yeah,
1: yeah I do. Start,
3: yep. in, start using ozone and start using algaecide 60 and a small amount of colorine. According to different states, it still requires one, part, one ppm colorine inside the pool. That is not enough to bother you. But you see the enjoyment of that water. Not only you become energetic, and really, I don't know because the absorption of oxygen through skin or what it is, but really give you a fresh feeling or because no inside rain inside, doesn't, your body doesn't burn up. Or maybe because you get a crystal clear water because the ozone would oxidize any type of mineral, sulfur from the rain, from the water, or any organic material that's been introduced to the pool they collide together, they become solid and become larger particles and easy to filter, and you get a crystal clear water. And that's why the enjoyment, you go over there, you see it, wow, it's just so beautiful, this pool, because the ozone is really the best thing you can do in a recreational, just like a pool, a spa, hot tub, cold plunge, deprivation tank is uh, using ozone. At the same time, you sanitize it. In deprivation tank or cold plunge, so because everybody go, you know, every hour different people are using those type of tanks, especially deprivation tank. When you add an ozone, it gives you extra security that using ozone without introducing any chemicals that affect your skin, your body burning, and all this stuff. So how do you do, how do you just hook uh, hook up a generator to an existing system somehow? We we come up with I design all those units, and I really trying to make it somehow work multi-purpose. Like a, we have a MP series or SP series that you can, like a SP series, you have to use the venturi, install it after all the equipment and all the stuff before the water introduced to the pool. You inject the ozone at that point, and before that, maybe you separate. Extra ozone and it just pure water introduced to the pool. Or you can, some of the units, those designed for the water, pretty much you have like a well water tank or something. You can connect the tube and then you connect the diffuser stone and put them inside the tank. And then pretty much you get the one timer, a small timer, garden timer, program them anytime you want, one or two, three times a day or every four hours. 10, 15 minutes to treat the water for pathogens, for all type of microorganisms at the same time, crystal clear water.
1: Interesting. So the the
0: people that use the equipment, uh, ozone generators in general, do they have to be certified in any way? Because I know, uh, from what I remember from chemistry class way back when, um, ozone gets in your lungs, if it gets in your lungs, it could do pretty bad damage by itself. I mean, so is there... Uh, anything that you have to be certified to be able to operate these devices and, and uh, do all of these things to inject the the ozone into different uh, different methods
3: in California, especially requires that they've been installed by professionals. Okay. And it's good to have a, like a swimming pool uh, specialist or a spa hot tub or other type of uh, you know industry professional people install them because it, it included the electric it included the plumbing and also environmentally somehow we have to be protected because that's high voltage electric so it, it it we recommended always to be installed by professionals that's what they are doing that's the best way to do it yes
0: ross does the equipment is it, does the equipment have to be certified by any official regulatory body I mean I'm sure maybe a UL or ETL or things like that, but I mean like EPA or FDA or any of this stuff or
3: E ozone generator is listed in EPA as pesticide device. Anytime you have a device that kills microorganisms, small or large, is a pesticide. Hmm. And they have to be regulated, the facility manufacturing place have an established number for it. But the ozone generator it does not require. You ULC, those are different countries require different certifications, right. but EPA require all our equipment and stuff. We have to our facility we have to have an established number on them. So they determine who manufacture who is it, and recognize them if
0: something goes wrong. Huh. Now, I, I, I noticed uh, some things I was reading about your products and things. I mean, you had a whole list of uh, all ozone water applications. One of them was interesting to me, and I understand laundry for, for purifying things like that, but for gene manufacturing, for discoloration of genes. And I'm only, I'm only bringing that one up because years ago when my, my, my boys were teenagers, they wanted this brand of jeans called I just forgot what it was, um, but they were like three hundred dollars a pair. Oh, True Religion—that was the name of it. I just remember the name, True Religion. And it looked like somebody took the scissors to the knees and cut them open, and, and or somebody took shotgun and blasted <laughs> the things to get holes in them. And I'm thinking, why do you want to buy a pair of jeans? First so I'm not gonna—I was—I didn't give them the money to buy a three hundred dollar pair of jeans. I thought that was ridiculous. But this also. Uh, can help in discoloration of the gene, and, and and does that affect anything else besides clothing? the discoloration, does that cause? It's
3: called a- distress, by the way, distress. Okay. okay. No, that Rob, I tell you, this is something funny outside the market. We have a manufacturing setup overseas, and we have a that farm. They have grow a fish and marine products, mm-hmm. and we're trying to. Uh, test our unit, I, they asked me, what should we do? I said, we have to have a fan, you have to do so much. But they, I t- then I just go get the bucket of water from the pond. I put them over there and I asked them to add the ozone to test them here for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then they did two or three units, the water was green and it was full of algae. So well. they finished and the morning when I come back, I saw crystal clear water. And all the algae bleached out and settled down at the bottom. Then we, we noticed that, that also some of the other people in uh, the wastewater, they want to get rid of the color, they add the ozone. If you have a gene manufacturing, you want to discolorate the gene, pretty much you create the ozonated water, Soaking in there. The, the ozone is a safe way to bleach the gene or disconnect the gene. And really, that's one of the amazing part of the ozone is to disconnect the wastewater or gene close stuff. stuff.
0: Yes. Well, this, I, I didn't realize, like I said, from 30, 35 years ago, when I first looked at those air purifiers, and that's all I thought about over all these years until I, I found out about your company. And I was... I, I mean, I'm glad. I like to see that technology for the past thirty-five 30 years has changed into different, uh, you know, applications and things, and, and it's pretty interesting. Now, you're, you build all your stuff in the United States, correct?
3: We build some here, and we build. We take advantage of really trying to help promote the ozone because it's very nice, friendly product, better than chlorine in wastewater, better than any other compound you can use to control BOD and COD. So uh-huh. I'm trying to really bring the cost down. Several years ago, we started manufacturing in Shenzhen, China. My mm-hmm. wife also Chinese. Yep. So we started over there and we manufacture over there. We bring in really so low cost, we even so low that we sell them to Chinese over there. And we're trying to really help the people get familiar with the using ozone and to really make them affordable. I remember the ozone generated 20 years ago was like $10,000, $15,000 for 10 gram per hour. Yeah. Right now, we make it 10 grams for $500, $600. Wow. So everybody can get the benefit of them. The people have available water in the farm. They want to treat their water. So easy. Filter the water, add the ozone to it, treat them up, sanitize them, and then use them.
0: I, I would even think and I don't maybe maybe you, you, your stuff is used for this, but I would even think in, in uh integrated circuit manufacturing because one thing that kills circuits is chlorine. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, oh, is that
3: some,
0: is that something that your 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 equipment can do? Uh,
3: no, actually one of the problems with ozone generally that ozone is self destruct by ozone because there's a high electric magnetic field because the high transformer and they create a small ozone and that would damage the port itself. Also, uh, okay. unfortunately we uh-huh. cannot use it. But there is a, some of the other application, Rob, that like a winery or a distillery, they use colorine. Now they don't use it because they affect the test of it. Greenhouses and hydroponic systems, they use them. Aquaculture, they use them. Zoo, then marine, you know, park, they use them. They aquaponics, they raise the fish, they add the ozone to it, change NO and NO2, a nitrogen product, to NO3, and they use them in greenhouse. They grow vegetable stuff. They use them in well water treatment. They use them in laundry right now. Wow. Most of the hotel, imagine how much we release the soap and detergent and bleach to wastewater every year just in the United God. States. Now, if you use the ozone, it does the bleach, it does the disinfection, it makes them wider the white towel and white sheet for hotels. How much we help the environment by using ozone? Right now, they are doing it. The cooling tower, another application. They had so much trouble with precipitation and all the stuff during the system and on cooling tower, now they're using ozone. Paul, bleaching the paper. You know, oh, yeah. Well, I,
0: well I, I know you don't make anything specifically to the medical uh, world, but I, I've been reading some articles about the IV therapy with ozone and some other things, and, and so, like you said, I mean, this or like I said earlier, I mean, in the last 30, 35 years, there's been a, a, just a, a plethora of stuff that, that applications that you use this stuff for. What, what is it? Is, I, I guess there's not there's not a typical size product that one would make for an ozone generator but what 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 is the range if somebody wanted to buy one how much do they start at how much could they go to and cost
3: here let me first mention here there is no ozone generator for being approved by fda for this type of application
1: uh, okay
3: they are they are getting some ideas they are doing some experiments Italy, Germany, some other countries in Mexico, in some other countries they started using ozone for uh, autism children because extra oxygen in the water they help the children perform better with autism. Problems. Right. Well, I'll, I'll, use, um,
0: I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt. I really want to continue the conversation. Except we're up against our NBC News hour and I got to go to that because they own the station. <laughs> so. Uh, I will. I will contact you again to finish the conversation because I think you have a lot more to tell everybody about this, and I'm very interested in it as Christina is.
1: So yeah, I wanted to get to the o- olive oil spot. So make yeah, sure yeah, that's I on do do your too.
0: list. I do too. So we'll call, we'll contact you back, and 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 I appreciate.